Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Today is the conclusion of our Crazy Stuff Jesus Said sermon series. Next week, we're going to be starting a sermon series called Why Worry? where we'll look at all the things that cause worry and anxiety in our lives. And we'll look at what Jesus, you remember Jesus says, do not worry. And you think, now that's really crazy, right? We're going to dig into that next month in August. So I hope you'll be here for that. I think it's really one of the most important topics we can talk about for how we apply our Christian faith uh, and live out of a sense of peace and fulfillment uh, with God in our lives. So I really hope you'll be here for that. I hope you'll invite your friends to come from that. For that, I think that that's a message that, that we all need very much right now. Today, as we talk about these crazy things Jesus said, I just want to thank you for sticking with us through all this. And uh, coming, coming back each week, we are talking today about a passage where Jesus uh, came and he took this guy who hadn't been real honest in the way he'd managed his business. And he said, this guy's an example of wisdom and lifts, lifts him up. And then he concludes this bit uh, by saying, uh, that uh, whoever is faithful uh, in very little is also faithful in much. Uh, and and he, he goes on to say that no slave can serve two masters for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. So I'm kind of telling you the ending at, at the beginning. And uh, so the, these, are, these are tough words to hear. And we, we want to hear them and say, Jesus, what, what, are, you, what are you really saying to us? Uh, th- through all this. First of all, I, I want to I tell you something. I, I, I want to read this passage to you because I just, uh, th- there's something in our culture you need to know. This is scripture, okay? Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. That is Luke 16, verse 10. Now, there's another verse. I want you to tell me uh, if you can tell me where this comes from, okay? With great power comes great responsibility. Who knows where that comes from? Mike Stallings, where does it come from? It's Spider-Man, correct. Sometimes you will hear it quoted in scripture, that is Spider-Man, okay? It's a good line, but it's Spider-Man. But here is Jesus, whoever is faithful with little is also faithful with much. But he's just told a story about a guy who seemed to be dishonest. So we're, we're going to dig into this because I got to tell you, uh, when I first read this passage uh, and, and really thought about it, I, I think I was like 19 or 20 years old. I was like, that's just messed up. I, I don't like that, that at all. I think I just shut my Bible and said, I'm just going to read something else or uh, go to another passage because I just can't understand it. And I have to tell you now when I look at it, this is one of my favorite passages. I absolutely love what we learn in this passage. And one of the ways we can dig in and, and really learn what, what Jesus is intending as he talks to people in a different culture long ago and what he has to say to us is, again, as we talked about before, that, that Bible reading time each day is so important. So really want to encourage you. We've got the new Bible reading plans for August available now at concordunited.org Bible. You can also pick up a printed copy 
right outside at the information uh, center. Uh, so again, first time visitors tell them, I want my gift and I want my Bible reading plan. Uh, everybody can get a Bible reading plan. Hope you'll get that. And once again, just a reminder, beginning this week, noon to 1230 every day, this room is in silence for prayer. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to come by and, and join us. Now, what this past, as we're, we're going to read about this manager who, who seemed to be somewhat dishonest, but again, as we look at what this passage is really about, it's, we go to the end of it, and it's, Jesus says, no slave can serve two masters. You'll hate one and love the other. And in this regard, he's talking about money. He says, nobody can love God and wealth. What this is really about for us is, do you know who your master is? Do you know who your, your master is? Who's the one? Uh, and, and if you're thinking, well, we don't have, you know, we're Americans, right? We're individuals. We're self-made men, self-made women. That's who we are as Americans. That, no, we're not. Like we all come from a community. We're all shaped by people and the opportunities we, we've been given. And we all have masters, even though we don't like using that term in our culture, the question is, do you know who your master is? And let me tell you who your master is. Your master is whatever or whoever directs your decisions. That, that's, that's your master. We might have different masters in different areas of our lives. In, in, in our house, uh, it, we, we've got three kids in our house right now, and they're all in what I would describe as the energetic age. And uh, so our, our house is a big economy uh, running constantly. You know, the economy of getting food on the table, the economy of, of doing laundry. And as my wife and I split up the work, we, we, we really both help with just about everything. Uh, but she is more the master of the inside and the, how the inside of the house looks. And, and I am more focused a little bit on, on the outside. And she's so gracious. If, if I come to her and I say, you know, we just, uh, we, we need uh, another tool for, for outside. She's always like, go get it. And, and so if she ever comes to me and says, you know, we really need this to, to help us keep up the inside of the house. I, I know that she's very nice to phrase that as a question. Uh, but I, I know who the master of the inside of the house is, right? And we're, we're, we're just, we're just going to, we're, we're, we're going to go get that. And I mean, it's, it's very busy. We were talking the other night and we were like, hey, you know what, you know, you know, I think she said to me, you know, that phrase seize the day. She says, you know, we, 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 we need to, to like allow a few days to go unseized. Like, we seize most of them. They're probably getting tired of us seizing them. We, we should just find a way to, to let, let a few go unseized. And uh, I, was, I was trying to, to help her say, you know, if everything in the house isn't perfect, it's, it's okay. And I said, you know, you know it, it's okay. We, you know, I said, you, you've just got to embrace uh, things that can never be perfect. And even when they can't be close to perfect, you've just got to embrace those things. And then she gave me a huge hug. You'll get that about lunchtime. Okay. Uh, so your master is whoever directs your decisions. And in this context, Jesus is talking about money, but, but we can apply it to many contexts. Now, I want to tell you as, as we prepare to read this scripture that for some of us, based on our personalities, not necessarily based on the depth of our faith or how much we love God, how much we believe, but just based on our personalities, for some of us, money's gonna be more of a challenge to our faith 
uh, and trying to become our master than, than for others. For others, it might be, be other things. Uh, so let, let me give you a little uh, test here that you can run on yourself. If you are competitive, right, if, if you like uh, pleasurable uh, experiences uh, and if you like status, then money in your life is going to c- compete with God. Uh, for, for instance, and so you can kind of look at that. Am I competitive? Uh, do I, do I kind of like the more comfortable things of life? Uh, and do I, do I care about status? If those are three big things for you, and those are largely personality things, uh, you know, th- this is something to really be careful of. Okay, I need to be careful about my relationship with money and God. Now, I will tell you that when I put myself on that scale, I, I'm two out of three. Um, I am quite competitive, and so I'm aware that sometimes my competition can get between, can bleed over into money, right? I can say, well, we have this much money by this time. Oh, we had a plan, and in our plan, we're a little ahead of the plan. And then so I begin to think, so we should adjust the plan, and next year, we should be this much more ahead. And I love setting goals, and I love beating those goals. And sometimes you have to say, okay, but money is given to bless people. And money is to be used to, to bless people, not just to be acquired and accumulated. So competition can get in your way. Also, if, if you like the finer things of life, if, if you like how, how things feel, and, and I will tell you, or if you like status, uh, that for, for instance, we can think about this as far as clothes. If I think certain clothes are going to feel good on my body, I will spend significantly extra on them. Or like a few years back when I was shopping for a car, I had this car and it made all the sense in the world to buy. My my old one has broken down. Uh, This car, it it was the best price for the money. It had the best engine. It it had the best handling. I, I mean, it had the best resale. It had the best safety. Everything about it, you know what? I didn't like the seat, and that's what I got to sit in, right? And so I was like, no deal, and, and, and the guy just couldn't believe it. He was like, but, but we're better than these other ones you're looking at. He said, what can I do to make you buy this car? I said, do you have another seat you can put in it? Nope, no deal. like the way it makes me feel, um, or that's important to me. Now, I'm not huge into status. For some of us, it's real important that we wear, you know, like our clothes are from the right brand, or, you know, uh, different things that, that show we, we, we have a certain status. That, that's not a big deal uh, to me necessarily. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll play uh, golf with whatever clubs I can scrounge up. They, they don't have to be uh, the new exact ones. I'll, I'll wear whatever. Uh, if it's comfortable, it doesn't have to have a certain logo on it. Although I do enjoy it. Uh, my, my kids uh, now understand, like, what's popular and uh, I realize I don't because they tell me what's popular and I've never heard of it. Uh, so I do enjoy occasionally, uh, like the other day they told me, they're like, hey, you just need to start wearing different shoes. And I was like, really? And, and so for like Father's Day, they got me some shoes and uh, I'd never heard of this type of shoes before. And they looked a lot like my old shoes. Um, but I put them on and I came to church and so the teenagers complimented me on the brand I was wearing. I said, yeah, I, I, I keep up with these things. So those are just some warning signs that as we go through this passage that money 
might be an issue that competes to be a master in your life with God. And if that's the case, then it's important to really focus on it and say, I've got to plan and keep money in its place. It might be something else for you. Uh, what might compete with you, for you with God is, you know, uh, you, you might, the highest thing in your life might be having others say nice things about you, right? And that's really good. Uh, that's a really good thing to want because that means you want to bless people. But sometimes uh, we can want people to compliment us so much that we can do things we probably wouldn't do uh, just, just to try and get that. So it can be any number of things uh, that competes to be a master with God. And Jesus tells us that we've got to be aware of that because God doesn't want, comp God doesn't want competition for that. It's not the life we were created to live. So with no further ado, here we go. We're going to jump into this parable of this man who seems dishonest but turns out to be wise. And we're going to try to figure out exactly what Jesus was trying to tell us. This is the parable of the dishonest manager beginning with Luke 16, 1. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, what will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors, one by one he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He answered, a hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 50. Then he asked another, how much do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make, listen, just listen to this verse. This is crazy. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you with the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Okay, let, let's dig into that. He's like, this is what he's doing with dishonest wealth. And I just want to share with you, uh, there's such a thing as an honest day's work. I'm not sure there's such a thing as honest wealth, right? Like, you know, we, we try to build wealth. Well, a lot of us invest in stocks. Do I know everything that every company that I own a small percentage of does and that it's ethical? No, I don't. Um, I, I had opportunities in life and those opportunities in life allowed me to seek uh, a certain profession which I'm very thankful for and make a certain amount of money other people had other opportunities and some of them make much more and some of them make much less and that doesn't make them better uh, it doesn't mean that those who make much more deserve much more it doesn't mean that those who make much less deserve much less it means there's a certain way the, the world works and sometimes it's fair and sometimes it's not and sometimes uh, we, we get things uh, more than we should and sometimes we get less but it's what we do with what we have that God's really concerned about because every parent who's ever had a child has said life's not entirely fair right 
Uh, and if you haven't said that, you probably haven't had a child. Life's not fair. We, we say that over and over to our children uh, because we, we know it to be true. It's what you do with what you have with the hand that's been dealt to you. Uh, and this, this passage is about being wise with what we have in the position we find ourselves. So we have to say, why did this man act like what he did? If we're going to be wise, we recognize wisdom always asks why. You become wise by asking why. So let's look at this manager from the Bible and let's ask why. Okay, it was common in the Bible days. It was common in that time uh, for wealthy estate owners to have a manager, sometimes a slave. In this case, it looks like the man is not a slave, uh, like he's an external hire who has come in to manage the property. And it is the manager's prerogative uh, to set the prices uh, when they sell goods uh, to other peoples and, and groups. Uh, and also, when those people come to pray, uh, they, they didn't have price controls like we have today, uh, like where your price is set. He could adjust the bill. But typically, when people came to pay their bills, the managers, if the bill was adjusted, would adjust them up. They'd say, well, the cost of uh, producing all this has, has gone up some. We're, we're going to have to charge you a little bit more. This is phenomenal. He adjusts them down and down. And if you want to understand the amount of discount these people are getting, uh, Bible scholars have gone back and they've looked at the amounts listed here and they've tried to say, okay, is there a way we could put these amounts into today's dollars? And their best estimate are that the people who get their bills cut in half by this manager, he's dealing with significant resources. Their bills are probably, based on how you do, um, you know, your calculations and inflation and all that, they're probably somewhere between 50000 and 200000 That's the type of bills we're talking about. This was a major estate doing, doing business with some other major players, uh, not, not just some individual family. But, but these, these were major people uh, who had significant stockpiles who provided for, for communities. And so we're talking about bills between 50000 and 200000 that get cut in half. Now, the manager's difficult situation is this. Uh, the owner has received word that he's not keeping the books correctly, that there's not enough money. Now, we don't know if he embezzled money. Uh, we don't know if he just, uh, you know, was a little loose with expense, letting expenses get, get out of control. Uh, wh whatever it was, there wasn't as much there as there was supposed to be there. And he realizes when this man looks at the books, I'm, I'm going to, to be fired. So what does he do? He cuts the bill, right? He cuts the bill. Now, in ancient Middle Eastern culture, uh, they were very big on reciprocity. Every, every culture, in every culture that we know of, reciprocity is important. If you do something for me, I need to, to try to do something for you, right? That, that's just being a good person. Uh, but there were particular laws and rules and social norms in that culture. Uh, they, they highlighted it. They emphasized it that, that reciprocity was important. So what he's doing is he's creating, in essence, a debt. Uh, he's create between himself and these other landowners with these big bills who might hire him after he is fired. Because he is doing them a favor. He is giving them a gift and they will need to reciprocate, right? And he's giving them a substantial gift. And Jesus is like, man, this, 
this guy, he's got some problems. So you, you got to pat him on the back. He's going to land on his feet. He's, he's, he's going to figure, figure it out. He's also doing something. He's putting his owner in an interesting situation. And the situation he's putting the owner in is he's just become the most popular guy in town. Who wants to fire the most popular guy in town? He also has shown uh, that the books might, he, the money in the treasury might not be as much as it should be because he has been generous uh, to those who come in and suddenly his owner is going to be one of the most popular guys in town because they're going to equate his generosity with the owner's generosity. And suddenly the owner now has these other people who didn't pay him as much as they should, but who owe him favors. And so he may well retain his job, but if he doesn't retain it, he will certainly have other jobs waiting for him. And so what, what did he do? Well, he looked at the difficult situation. He looked at the hand life had dealt him. He, t- he took the, the situation uh, he, he was in and he said, how can I bless people? And whatever power we have, that's the point of it, right? The point of power is to bless people. So I want you to think about what power do you have? Money, relationships, positions, opportunities, whatever it might be, where, where are the places you have power? And are you using, the, is, has that power become your master of I just want more of it and I want more of it and I want more of it? Or is it your servant? Is God your master? And are you using that power? I just want to use it to bless people. However I got to this point, the mistakes I've made uh, and uh, the unfair things that have either, either benefited me uh, or hindered me, whatever it is, now that I'm where I am, am I using the power that I have to, to bless people? Because I want to share with you, we actually, and this was the bit when I was 19 or 20 that changed my whole way of seeing this passage. Some of y'all are still looking at this and you're like, you know, Will, you've done a pretty good job of being interesting and energetic when you talk about this passage, but I still don't like it. <laughs> I, I just don't like it. That's okay. Uh, this is the part when I was 20 years old that took me from disliking this passage, really hating it, to loving it, to it becoming one of my favorite passages, when I realized that we're all in the same situation as the manager, and here's how. The manager had to change his ways because his world was about to change. So do we, right? Have you ever had your whole world change? Like you get a job, you lose a job, you move to a new town, whatever, you have, you have a transition in your family, like, Oh gosh, it, like everything changes and you have to figure, you have to like reorient and figure out, okay, how do I function now? Like this man was about to lose his job. That was coming. So he had to change his ways because the world he'd been living in was really different from the world he was about to be living in. So he had to go ahead and start living uh, as if he was in that new world before he got fired and before he got there. So he'd be ready for that new world when it came. That's exactly what Jesus has been preaching about. He's saying there's a kingdom that's coming. The kingdom of God is coming. And in fact, it's very near. And you need to start living like that now. You need to start living uh, by the values of the kingdom of heaven while you're here on earth. And that's true for all of us, right? We are called to live by heaven's values while on earth. 
If you remember nothing else, remember we are called to live by heaven's values while on earth. And this man starts to live by a new set of values because he realizes the world has changed. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, uh, when we look in our lives and we determine those things that are competing with God to be our master, and when we say, no, 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 God, you are our master, then what we see is that there's a kingdom coming, the kingdom of heaven. And when we start living by those values, when we start using all our power to, to bless others, when we start saying, not how can I get ahead, not how can I get even, but how can I love others as God has loved me? Everything changes. Everything changes in that moment. And we become, remember this verse that Jesus said, make friends for yourself by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into eternal homes. Make friends for yourself in this world by blessing others with whatever power you have, however you got it. Now, in this world where there is so much dishonesty, so that one day, you will, when you get to the kingdom of heaven, you'll already know exactly how it works there, exactly how to live. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we come before you, and your kingdom of heaven is so much higher and greater than all the kingdoms of this earth. Your ways and means are so much better and more wonderful uh, than our ways of accomplishing our purposes. But we seek to live by heaven's standards in this world. God, that will one day pass away. And we can only do that with your help. We can't approach it on our own. We wouldn't even know where to start. But with your spirit living within us, we can do just that. Because you have loved us at our worst with the very best of your love, with the life and the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. And we would do nothing. We would want to do nothing with our lives other than love others as you have loved us. So teach us the values of your kingdom. And in our friendship, may others catch a glimpse of what heaven is like. We pray this in the powerful name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we all said together, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.